Uh, and we're talking about one of our favorite subjects, housing. Uh, you know, there's no shortage of agony to go around for people who want to buy a home in Metro Vancouver, people moving further and further out, trying to get something they can afford without being house poor. Of course, we're not the only city to do this, and not everybody finds it a laughing matter, but the Guardian uh, newspaper and website in England did a, a spoof on one of the home shows. You know, I love the, the House Hunter shows. So they did a spoof on a young couple in London looking for a place to live. And when they show them, and of course, it's videos you can't see, but you can hear when they show them, they're generally either foul, disgusting places or they're like five by eight boxes. So we'll, we'll have a little listen here. This week, we're back in London where the market is so competitive that we literally haven't seen anything that's any good at all. <laughs> Welcome to a city where even doctors and lawyers can't afford to buy a house. Unless their great uncle Donald has left them a serious watch of moolah. Soon, over half the under 40s will be renting from private landlords. So, in this special episode, we'll be dipping our pedicured toes into the murky waters of the rental market. You know what? I quite fancy a pedicure. <laughs> <laughs> you dream, though. I bet you don't need one. Mm. <laughs> We're catching up with Gillian Steve, two hardworking professionals who are just about to discover how hopeless their predicament truly is. Finding homes for people who haven't inherited a sackload of cash is a first for us. So, where to begin? Where, I wonder. Maybe a bin. I think so. <laughs> it's right there. Now, this flat is a teeny-weeny bit smally-wally, but I want you to remember something important. You're not rich enough to have anything bigger. So, first impressions. Um... No, um, I, I, I guess it's sort of, um... It's funny, actually, because when I first saw it, I thought you were being serious. But are you being serious? They're being serious. It's teeny-weeny. It's like they show a room that has, you know, enough space for a bed and cement walls, and that's it. And I know I've talked to people looking for places to rent in Vancouver and Metro Vancouver. I remember looking when I moved back. I moved back from Edmonton in, in like, the early 2000s, like, 2010 and I remember, like, looking at one place that was $1,500 a month down in the West End that had mold on the walls. <laughs> I just thought, this is insane. And the bedroom was absolutely all they had in that bedroom was a queen-size bed. Turns out I found a fantastic place, but things have changed a whole lot in the last six years. And are we whiners or should we, you know, is, or have we just not in a time period anymore that we get to own a house or are the boomers sucking us dry and taking all their money and buying up all the property and leaving us with nothing? To chat about that lovely topic, which is not divisive at all, we have with us uh, dueling columnists with 24 Hours, Brett Stafford and Peter Popsicill. How are you guys doing? Very good, thank you. So I, I don't even know who to start with yet because I have to tell you, I'm sort of right on the – I'm not quite a millennial. I'm just on the edge of it, so I sort of fit into both. And I noticed that, Brent, you were talking about, in, in recent columns, talking about uh, affording a house and saying, you know, sure, property is more expensive nowadays, but it's not a human right to own a home. And they said, you know, at least millennials are lucky that they have boomer parents. But I'm thinking they're lucky because a lot of people, it's the boomer parents who are forking out the cash to help those who can't afford a house buy a house. So are you being judgy-judgy? Well, oh, yeah. well, absolutely, I'm being judgy-judgy. That's definitely my job. Um, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Millennials are, are whiners, and, and, and I fully believe that's the case, and especially when it comes down to the home ownership uh, point of view. 
Uh, it's not a human right to be able to afford to own a home. And Vancouver specifically is a metropolitan city that's constrained by geography, and it's going to grow up. And, uh, and if, we, um, if we don't get used to the fact that not everybody's going to be able to get a chance to, to own, and renting is a fact of life, I think that uh, we're going to be stuck in this situation. Well, and I think there's a difference between a human right and the ability for a city to sustain itself because people can't you know, afford to live there. I know people with kids who are moving out to the boonies because they can't, they can't get enough bedrooms. Sure, but that's, that's the logical way that it goes. Look, you look at Manhattan. I mean, I don't think anybody reasonably in the last 100 years has expected to be born on the island of Manhattan and that there was some ability for them to be able to buy. Only Donald Uh, Trump's children. Well, that's right, exactly. I kid. Yeah, so look, so I mean, like, you would have to move out to the boroughs. Uh, that's the way it works. And so, I mean, New York is, be, is, is a good example. Vancouver's becoming a Manhattan. Vancouver's becoming a London. And so when we're looking at these areas um, and seeing the same problems uh, that we're starting to have now there, you know, there we go. I mean, it just makes sense. So, and Peter, you know, we talk about whiners, but isn't it the boomers that are whining about their health? And so that's sucking all the money dry and not leaving the money to put into housing and put into other things that the young people need. Uh, yeah, so I'll admit that, you know, uh, millennials are complaining, but, you know, they have every right to complain. We've been contributing to this city. Uh, we have jobs here. We've helped our communities grow. And what Brent is talking about is we don't have a right to live in, you know, multi-million dollar mansions. But these are right. mansions. These are run down a lot in a lot of cases, but, you know, average family houses. And we have this this casino economy where we've turned our real estate market into this you know, money-making, make-a-quick-buck uh, kind of international market. Um, that's not what real estate is supposed to be. It's far too important for that. And, Peter, I just want to interject for one second and again, put the number out there because we're going to take people's calls uh, after the break, 280-9898, or you can tweet us at 331-2899. But, Peter, do you think that, you know, because it's not just in Metro Vancouver. There's other cities that are seeing it priced out, even – even like smaller cities on the prairies are seeing that it's getting more expensive to own a house. Do you think it's fair to say, hey, maybe you just need to have, you need to buy a condo? I mean, even those are getting, people are being priced out of those and there's a size issue. But but do you think that's fair? Uh, I mean, you, you know, you have to buy what you can afford and in a lot of cases you have to rent. Uh, so, I mean, you can look at this problem as just being like, well, it's just the way it is. You know, it's competition, it's free market. Uh, or you can look at the root of it, which is basically we have, essentially unrestricted uh, foreign ownership, and we have record low interest rates and a federal government that's insuring mortgages so banks don't take any risk when they lend. So all these things are driving prices up. And, I mean, we've seen we've seen this before in our, uh, you know, south of the border, so we'll see how this all ends. Do you feel optimistic when hearing the Premier say today, I mean, the, the stuff about shadow flipping, that doesn't affect, you know, the, the rank-and-file members who are looking to find a place to live. But when you hear her say this week that nothing's off the table or everything's on the table now as far as looking at housing in Metro Vancouver, does that make you feel optimistic or do you think it's just saying what you need to say to get to the next day? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, the government's been trying very hard uh, not to address this issue, so not to collect data because, you know, if there is data, then obviously the next step is to address it. So I don't, I'm not very optimistic. They, uh, they've, they've been basically doing just the bare minimum uh, to keep to keep the populace from uh, getting angry, so I, I don't think anything is actually going to come from the current government. 
we're going to take a quick break. But I think the thing that was different this week, though, is that we've never heard her say before that nothing, you know, nothing's off the table. We're going to come back in a second and we'll talk more to Brett and Peter and we'll take your calls back in a moment. I'm Lisa Yuzda, hosting the afternoon show here, and, and we want to take your calls if you have uh, two cents you want to give on the housing in Metro Vancouver and hearing the Premier say this week that nothing's off the table. Are you feeling more optimistic that perhaps there's a light at the end of the tunnel? Perhaps you're not going to be able to own a house, but you'll be able to live in downtown Vancouver with your partner and, and your couple of kids, that there'll be enough space for you to live anywhere in the Vancouver vicinity. Uh, 280-9898 or tweet us at 331-2899. Uh, I'm here with dueling columnist Brent Stafford, representing the older demographic, and Peter Pop still representing the younger demographic. <laughs> well said. No hey, whatsoever. Hey, Lisa, Lisa, let me just say this right now that I think it's a bit, con- I think it's a bit confusing that we we start the conversation with millennials and then you move to foreign, uh, you know. Uh, home ownership and speculation, right? Because- no, but I'm, I think I think they I think for people though I, I agree with you completely. I think that, but I think for people it sort of falls under the premier today or this week. What she spoke about was certainly talking about foreign ownership, but she did go farther and say that nothing was off the table. Talking about uh, taxes and whatnot, that I think would perhaps I think some people are hoping free up some homes or entice some owners to rent. I don't know that that's going to happen, but that would open up some real estate for people to rent, people not holding on to it the same way. So I think that's where I'm, I'm seeing the two jive together. Well, yeah, but I mean, then it, it's a very Vancouver-specific thing then. I mean, it's not a millennial issue. It's an issue of whether or not the market is overheated here but, and if we need to take steps to, to you know, to camp that. To, but I think know, it is millennial down. to the extent that people of a certain age owned real estate, whether it be in Vancouver proper or in the larger Metro Vancouver area, and has seen their property be inflated, whereas those people getting into the market for the first time don't have that benefit of having their money grow hand over fist. They're, they're sort of at a d- totally different playing field. I, I know people who work in, in careers that don't make a lot of money but were fortunate and smart enough to buy a place back in you know the 2000s. So now they can still afford to live in Vancouver, but they seem to be, and especially in a house or one with a, lar- a, a condo with a lot of bedrooms in size, but they're few and far between or getting fewer and further between. Right, but the, the the overall issue that whether or not millennials are getting screwed, like they're making less, you know, twenty percent less than pensioners, you know, baby boomers and stuff like that. That that's independence of the housing market, right? But they're so, getting screwed on education. Education is costing a whole lot more of our of what we bring in than it was, you know, thirty years ago or twenty years ago. Right. Well, let me make this point about millennials. Okay, sure. I think Sorry. that if millennials have spent uh, spend a lot more time looking on how to build business, build the economy, uh, build, you know, maybe actually uh, uh, get into productive growth uh, opportunities instead of spending all of their time uh, worrying about trigger warnings, worrying about protesting. <laughs> oh, warnings. my gosh, the you trigger know, they, warnings. Uh, they spend way too much time monitoring what other people are saying and freaking out because somebody said something that offended them as opposed to getting out there and actually building businesses that might actually create wealth and, and growth. So when, you, when you're in an economy that's but, built on building wealth and growth, but you're a generation that protests wealth and growth, then no wonder you're in a situation where your wages are stagnant. Oh, you millennials, it's all your fault. <laughs> Peter, what are you guys doing? Uh, yeah, that, that was a little oh, ironic, warning. talking about uh, changing the subject and going into trigger warnings. 
That's when you talk about housing is the trigger warning for all the people looking for homes. Right. Yeah, I mean, Brent, you know, Brent could talk about starting a business, but not everybody can start a business. That's not most people. Uh, and you know, Brent's generation and older, they, you know, they had strong unions, they had high-paying jobs, they had stable employment. Uh, you know, this might be a little inflammatory, but they didn't really have to work that hard. They didn't have to start new businesses just to be able to live in a city, just to be able to raise a family. Are, are you saying union workers are lazy and don't work hard, Peter? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm just saying that it, there was obviously going to be a small percentage of people in every generation that start businesses. and, and um, But everybody else, you know, they work in those businesses and they should also be able to live. And, and there is, you know, and it's not just those businesses. I think that we heard, and, and certainly in, in my industry, you know, reporters, we heard from, you know, some of the 800 people that showed up at that, that town hall this week that there's people who are, you know, doctors and lawyers who can't afford to have enough space to raise a family unless they want to have kids in bunk bags. And I understand, I think there we have a certain... Um, princess attitude towards the amount of space that we think that we deserve that you know if you look back to the 40s people didn't mostly live and have like everybody had their own bedroom so perhaps we are expecting too much for housing well i mean we've got a certain number of square footage and that's it so either we take it from the air or we move out into areas where there where we can take it from the land right so uh, Peter- uh, yeah sorry i think it's completely uh, normal to expect that the next generation will have it better than the than the generation before them. I don't know when that changed. Uh, you know, the millennials should have it worse than the kids coming up in schools now, but it's it reversed somewhere in the 80s. And now, you know, the past generations, oh, tough it out. You know, life is hard, but it wasn't you know, that hard. One of the things that I found, that this, uh, Rob Carrick, who writes for the, the Globe and Mail, it was in 2012 he did this, and I, I, didn't, I didn't have time to search for new numbers, but he was looking at what, the average price of a house was in different cities in 1984 and then what it was in 2012. And in Vancouver, the average price was 116000 in 1984, which, of course, you know, mm. brought it up against all the other cities in the country, of course, much higher. But by infl- adjusted for inflation, it should have been 236000 in 2012, but it was actually 761000 for an average house. And we know now it, it's past, I think it's past the $1 million mark, isn't it, across Vancouver proper? Yeah, it is. It's like one, two or something. So do you think that there's, uh, Peter, we'll go back to you for a moment. Like, do you think, because uh, Brett's right, like all the whining in the world isn't going to change this. I don't think pre- housing prices are going to come down and I don't think salaries are going to go up that much. So what do we do? Um, I, I, th- I think they will come down. And this, this is, you know, part of the problem. You can't have uh, real estate prices be, you know, 11.4 times average income. Our, our income in Vancouver is lower than you know, St. John's, Quebec City, pretty much every other city in Canada, uh, that's not sustainable. It's not going to go on forever. So the market will come down. It's going to wipe out a lot of people. And the people that are going to have to essentially save the banking system is going to be millennials again who are going to be paying higher taxes to fix everything. We so have to go for, I'm sorry, I have to interject. We have to go for a pick, quick break. We'll be back in a moment with more housing. And what do we do? <clears throat> And I'm Lisa Yuzda here with Brent Stafford and Peter Popsicill taking opposite sort of opinions on housing. I'm sorry we didn't. We had a few calls. We didn't get to them. I like what um, one person tweeted at us saying, I think that whining is a national pastime for Vancouverites, regardless of which generation they are. All we do here is complain and moan. And I think that's not entirely, entirely wrong. I don't know. So when you're looking at it, Brent, do you have kids? Do I have kids? No kids, no. No kids. 
so what, when you're looking, like if you were, if, if a 20 something comes to you and says, I'm in Vancouver, I, I've got my degree, but I only make $50,000 a year. I, I want to have a couple kids. What do I do? What would you like? What's your advice to them? Well, I mean, that's a pretty, you know, generalized. But, that's, but that's, I think those are the people that are having the big problems, the people that need a few bedrooms, don't want to live in a studio and, and want to have like a community for their kid to grow up in. Okay, well, so if you're married, well, if you're married and you have a couple, more than one kid, and you're wanting to live in downtown Vancouver, you you are specifically making a lifestyle choice, you and your 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 wife for your family, um, and it's doable. Uh, it's doable. You're going to spend more, but uh, you're likely going to want to move out of the city to be able to have more space. I mean, you know, I have family members that made that decision uh, uh, back some years ago, and they moved first to Burnaby, and then they moved to Port Coquitlam, and now they're happy out Maple Ridge, and they've been there for 15, 12 years, right? So for myself, I have no kids. I still live downtown, and I bought downtown. I, I think there's lifestyle choices that, that you make based on what you can afford, your family, um, and where you need to live for work. So, Peter, what's your take? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to give uh, advice to any individual. I don't know that. that I, I don't know that. I, I think partly it's a lifestyle choice. I know that when I lived in downtown Vancouver with my husband and our child, I was like, "This is, you know, I choose less space over, um, and, and because I want to be close to where everything's happening." But when it came time to looking for a place in another bedroom, there's not a lot of options for three bedrooms unless you have really, really deep pockets. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, moving out of the city. Uh, it should be a, a kind of a last case yeah. scenario. It shouldn't be what we start with. We should start with trying to fix the problem. Uh, and that is that there's a lot of people treating housing as, as a quick buck or a safety deposit box. There's huge inflows of capital from all over the world that basically dwarf our local economy. And it, it's, it's going to swing housing up and it could just as easily swing housing down. So we do need to, I think, protect our city a little bit and, and and make make it work for the people that live here and the people that that work here and volunteer and and contribute to the city. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, you know what what remains on the premier's table when when all this comes to pass, or if it's just lip service and little things that are going to help no one but those who can afford the very large houses. Brent Stafford and Peter Pompsicil, you can get their opinions in 24 hours. Check them out. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to the afternoon show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I want to thank Amila Banji and Mike Gibbon, who have been on the boards at different times today, and Zamir Kareem, who's our fantastic producer. Hope you have a lovely weekend. We'll have Jill Bennett, of course, here tomorrow morning, and Shane Foxman here tomorrow afternoon. Go out and enjoy the lovely weather, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.